From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is a special edition of Crosswalk. Our cross-culture youth group just returned from a week of youth camp in Tennessee. So what happens when you take a big group of young people over 300 miles from home for a week of worship and wisdom seeking? Were lives changed? Priorities rearranged? Let's find out as our student pastor, Ivy Rhodes, brings today's message. I just want to talk to you guys about camp. I want to tell you about kind of how it went for a minute, and then what we'll do is just kind of transition into the message that I have for you today, which actually has a lot to do with camp. It's actually one of the messages that I preached at camp, so I'll share that with you guys. We wanted to share about camp in a little bit of a different way today, so we made superlatives for everybody at camp, uh, you know, like most likely to be successful kind of stuff, um, but that's not exact. They're funnier than that, so we're going to go through some of these, and Allie's going to read some, and I'm going to read some, and then we'll it's tell you some amazing. stories. It's going to be amazing. But I do want to say that um, at camp, it looks like all we did was have fun, but you can ask any any of the guys, and uh, that there was, there was a lot of study of Scripture, probably more this camp than any other camp we'd ever been to, but the messages were awesome at night, and um, from a guy named Matthew uh, Elrod, he came and brought us the messages at night, and um, we studied, all, all um, week long we studied the book of First John, and it was a theme of war, and how um, there's a battle raging between uh, life and death, and love and hate, and... Um, and let's see, light and darkness. And uh, that, was, that was kind of how the uh, progression through the week went. And so we talked about how to battle those things and how to uh, come out victorious as Christians because our victory was won in Christ. So the victory is already won. We have to just, you know, grasp onto that victory. And so that's what we talked about all week. So um, there was some uh, decisions made at camp, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I want the people that made those decisions to make them public. I'm not going to do it for them because I feel like that's something they need to do. Um, but, you know, if you made a decision at camp today, if you want to come, uh, come forward during the invitation time and talk to me or whatever, and so we can tell everybody the decision you made, you know, feel free to come forward at the end of service, but that's between you and God. All right, let's get into the superlatives. Let's do uh, it. I'll let Allie, um, yes. I'll let Allie start it off. Um, All right, this is the camp class of 2014 superlatives, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> First goes to Brie Clary for going to sleep before lights were out. She was the most likely to go to sleep before lights are out. Yes. All right, ladies, 45 minutes to light out, and this is Brie. Yeah. Out, out. Which was unusual because that was it not was. everybody. It was amazing. Okay, so Charlotte uh, is Brie's friend, and she came with us. Um, Charlotte was the most likely to die while getting off a bunk bed. Yes. Yes. It took her like 10 minutes every morning. Because there were no stairs and they were all smushed together. It was amazing. It was fun to like set your alarm 10 minutes earlier just to watch her try to get down. It was fun. Um, and uh, Ruthie, right here down front, she just had tonsil surgery, and so I'm just thankful she's here today. But Ruthie was the most likely to need a bell. Most likely to need a bell. Now, because she is sneaky, so I need to put a bell on her so I know when she's sneaking up behind me. Yes. Uh, she's sneaky like a ninja, she always is behind like me. A ninja. So. All right, Julie is most likely to know your life story yes. because she can talk to anybody. She can hold a conversation with anybody, and I feel like she knew everybody, including the counselors, everything about them. Yeah. It was just it was amazing. Yeah. It I, was amazing. I would see her in the lunchroom talking to people. I'm like, do you know this person? Yeah, we're like BFFs now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mackenzie <laughs> is most likely to be with Lexi. Yes. Lexi is her cousin. Yes. <laughs> and Lexi is most likely to be with Mackenzie. Yes. <laughs> I call them Siamese twins all week. It was all hilarious. Right. Allie can read this one. And 
where, oh, Nolan, most likely to be found at the rock wall. Yep. That boy climbed the rock wall for two hours straight. Up and down. Up and down. Up, up and, and down. down. Up up and and down. down. It, was, it was exhausting. Yes. It was exhausting. Uh, Blaine, most likely to kill you with a 100% punch. Yes. So yes. a little bit of this story is if y'all know Blaine, Blaine's a big guy, uh, plays football and all, big guy, lifts weights. And so him and Jacob were having a conversation on the way home when we were at Bojangles. And so they were doing a guy thing, punching each other in the arm. And um, You need to do the voices for it. It's amazing. Uh, I don't know about that now. Anyway, punch each other in the arm. And so Jacob looks up at uh, Blaine and says, Hey, Blaine, how hard are you hitting me? Uh, 60%? And Blaine goes, No, about 30%. He goes, Huh, what would happen if you hit me 60%? And Blaine says, Oh, it'd probably break your arm. He goes, Whoa! He said, What would happen if you hit me 100%? I'd probably kill you. So that's how that conversation <laughs> went. So and so then uh, Jacob, most likely to be killed by Blaine's 100% punch. Yes. 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 Nicole is most likely to have what you're looking for. Nicole, do you, yes, I have that. What about this? Yes, I have that. Nicole, what about, yes, I have that. Two of them. Do you need two of them? They're matching colors. It's amazing. She, she always kinda, had what you needed. Kind of like the, the uh, secretary yes, of, she was. Uh, of camp. Um, so, uh, Zach Gurley is most likely to be found sleeping. Most likely to be found sleeping. Any chance sleeping. he had, he As you sleeping. can see up in the picture, he's actually trying to sleep yes. while <laughs> standing with the pillow on his head and sunglasses on so you couldn't tell he was sleeping. Allie, I'll let you read this one. Where am I? It's the one that has the oh, name Ivy is most likely to stick a camera in your face. Yes. Yes. Do something fun. Yeah. Do something cool. Break his face. Yeah, always, it, this is just a pro tip for future camp, uh, going to camp. Uh, if you want to get on camera, do silly stuff. Like uh, Jessica. Yeah, Jessica, yeah. That was, that was great, by the way, that, oh, that part is. where you followed the camera. And it was, was awesome. That was awesome. All right. Uh, Jessica, most likely to be looking for bugs in the lake. Where's Jessica in the water? Where's Jessica? She's got crawdads. Where's Jessica? Over there. <laughs> uh, getting stuff out of the lake. All right. Uh, and as you saw... Al, you can read number 11, but as you saw there, uh, somebody rolling in the mud. That was Lauren Kemper, and she's most likely to have worms in her hair. Yes. Because she straight had worms in her hair and almost had a heart attack. Like an hour later, she's like, what is this? She's like, ah! It was awesome. Yeah. It was, so, it was hilarious. She was like panicking We do this death. thing. What you saw there was a thing called Messiest Camper, and so what they do is they get as dirty as possible, and then they are judged on how dirty they are. So uh, Lauren was chosen to be her team's messiest camper. Split up into four teams who were going against each other all week. And she was chosen, you're going to be the messiest camper. I see, I, I run across the field with her. She's running to go get dirty. She literally jumps into a ditch. And I'm not 100% sure it wasn't a sewage runoff. I and think it was, actually. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? It was quite she's smelly. rolling in the ditch. And I was like, oh, that is bad. Anyway, sadly, she didn't win, I don't think. No, she didn't. I don't know what that was all about. All right, number 12. Joey Morgan, most likely to shoot you if you're on his team. Most likely to shoot you <laughs> if you're on his team. We played paintball, and I'm sitting there, as you saw some of the video of us playing paintball, I'm sitting there behind some uh, barrels, I think, and I'm firing away, and all of a sudden I see, like, paintballs go all around me, kind of like a cartoon where it makes the line around your silhouette. And I look back, and there's Joey shooting at me. I'm like, Joey! Shoot at them, not me. I'm on your team. He's like, I'm trying to shoot through the barrels. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. And number 24. 
24. Oh, it's out of order. John is most likely to lose his voice. Most likely Within five minutes of getting there, he's like, oh, no, I have a wedding I have to sing at, yeah. and I can't talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kid just singing a wedding, yeah. Uh, Jordan Terilli, most likely to be late to everything. Yes. Most likely to be late to everything. Where's his Jordan? like, He's coming. And here comes Actually, Jordan. he was late today. Yeah, doing his... He was late today, Jordan too. Jordan doing his cool swagger into, into the cafeteria. So, all right. Levi, most likely, like most likely to be cute. So, several cute pictures of Levi on the trip. All right, you get Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> most likely to say this phrase. I'm not prepared for these conditions. <laughs> Every small group we had, he goes, I'm not prepared for these conditions. I need some bug spray. <laughs> No, really. Uh, um, Lalo, most likely to make you laugh by insulting you. Yes. <laughs> he did it twice to me today. Twice. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> Quite sarcastic and funny. Uh, Allie is most likely to start a flashlight disco party. Uh, in and her then get them door. shut down because it was past bedtime. Yeah, it was past bedtime, and she has flashlights out trying to do a disco party. And they're like, you're a counselor. It's like, Caleb, you're going to tell a story because you know it. Most likely to be cast as Hawkeye because all these girls were trying to shoot these arrows and they were flopping everywhere. And he's like, let me try. And he grabs it and he's like, pew, pew, dead in the center. He was like, cool. Set like, down the bow and then walk And just away. walk off. I was like, okay, that's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, now this is kind of a funny story. Ellie yes. is uh, most likely to eat all the breadsticks. Yes. Most likely to eat all the breadsticks. I come with my spaghetti and I sit. And I'm eating. And she looks at me and she goes, do you notice anything? No. It was good in my tummy. What was? Your breadstick. You stole my breadstick. Levi stole mine, so I stole yours. Go get me some more. She ate 8.5 breadsticks. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. All right. You, <laughs> read, uh, you read Amber. Amber is most likely to hydrate you. Yes. You need some water? Yeah. I can fill up your water bottle for you. <laughs> I can. Amber was always there to you help You look hot. Let me get you sure some water. Was, uh, it's cold. Yeah, yeah. Always there to help people. Um, all right. Uh, Miranda, most likely to wear her socks up to her knees yes. and rock it. And make it look yes. good. Yeah, exactly. That was great. Uh, um, and Fernando, <laughs> this is the, for the finale we're going to do Fernando here. Uh, Fernando, most likely to think of all the horrible possibilities. Um, <laughs> Fernando, I'm like, are you going to do this? He's like, I don't know. This might happen. I might break a leg or might bust my head open or, Scorpion you know, might come out and bite Scorpion me. might come out and bite me. I shouldn't wonder, you know, this kind of stuff. Uh, so Fernando is most likely to think of all the horrible possibilities. So, uh, you know, thank you, Allie, for helping, helping me out there. Y'all... I asked Allie, and if you have a spouse, this is probably not the question you want to ask your spouse. But I asked her because of this message. I said, Allie, what are some annoying habits that I have? And so uh, after asking her that, she thought for a moment. And then she started just, we were talking on text. And she just started sending me annoying habits that I have. And she's at the grocery store. And I'm sitting there writing my sermon. And I get one text like, bring. Look, oh, here's another annoying habit. Bring. Oh, here's another annoying habit. Bring. Oh, here's another annoying habit. I was like, I didn't even know I did some of these things. And she's like, yes, you do. And uh, I won't give you some of them because, it, well, it has to do with a runny nose. I, anyway, so that's, we'll just leave it at that. I told the students when I preach this at camp, but I'll, I'll spare you guys. So. But the, uh, the, uh, 
the one that got me the most, the one that I was like, oh yeah, that's totally me and it's totally not a good thing, was when she said to me that I have, the annoying habit that I have, and I guess it's a habit, but is that I have to win every single argument that we have. I mean, even if I lose the argument, I win the argument. She's like, I don't know how you do it. I can be totally right and you can be arguing with me and then all of a sudden somehow out of nowhere you win this argument and I feel even if I technically won I feel as though I lost every time we have an argument you win and I was like no I don't she's like yes you do I was like no I don't she's like yes you do I was like no I don't you know okay that last part didn't happen but it could have happened uh but yeah she said you got to win every argument I said um I was like oh man I can't I can't believe that I said man I had to think about it you know she's right she's like sometimes she will win an argument and We'll come off and I'll be like, well, okay, you know, I'll just walk away or whatever. And she's like, I just, I just got to get away because I just want to like, ah, explode. And I was like, wow. I looked at her, I said, Maggie, I mean, sorry, not Maggie. I said, Allie, that's just a part of me. It's who I am. I can't change who I am. It's just a part of who I am. It's, it's the flesh me. It's the, you know, the not God me. And it's just how I was made. And when you think of it that way, that's not the problem, is it? The problem isn't how I was made. The problem is my pride that I've built up. The problem is that when we come to the end of an argument, I have to be right because if I'm wrong, well, then I've lost. And my pride tells me that I have to be the winner of that argument. And we think of habits, biting your fingernails, uh, I don't know, all kinds of other habits might have. And we think of all these things, um, that, and, and they're not good for us, but really there's things in us that are a part of who we are that we don't even may, we may not even know we're doing that are deeper and much sicker than just tiny habits. And I have those things in my life. I have things that, um, that you would look at me and say, you know, you're a pastor. I'd be like, yeah, and these things are wrong. And I'm not proud of them. I have try to work through them. I work with people to help me. But if we're honest with ourselves, we all have these kind of struggles, don't we? We all have struggles where we, um, we would, if people, if we were to put up on this video screen all the things we struggle with, we'd be pretty embarrassed. Because really, we have a problem. And there's things that are sick inside of us that we wouldn't want anybody to know. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a behavior you know that you're doing wrong. Maybe it's an eating disorder, whether it's too much or too little. And when you're talking with students, it's crazy how much you deal with this. But maybe it, uh, with students, it's a cutting problem. Maybe they, have, they just want to feel something, so they cut themselves. And they are in this, um, this kind of habit, this ritual that helps them feel. Or it's an addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs or even smoking or sex or anything like that. It's an addiction that we have that we can't seem to break. Maybe it's not something habitual, but just something that comes out every once in a while. If you're a student, you know, something that comes out in your life, you know, you've been trying to be good, and the Ten Commandments, that, you know, they're in there, and one of the Ten Commandments, and it's right in there with don't murder and don't lie and don't steal, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your mother and father. We kind of think of that one as a lesser of the Ten, but it's right there in the mix. And maybe we've been really nasty to our parents in the you know, we try to be good, but then all of a sudden it's just like, it just comes out and we feel wrong afterwards. We realize what we've done. Maybe it's, we're hateful towards someone at work or someone at school. 
And it doesn't have to be out loud. I mean, maybe out in, in front of everybody, we're smiling. Hey, you know, shake their hands. You know, I, you know, I like you. You're a good person. But in our hearts, we're saying, I hate you. You stink, you know. We have these problems. And there could be a million other things. I, I could, no way I could name them all. But we have wants and weaknesses that lead us to do things that go against God. And the Bible calls this sin. Calls this sin. Sin is not a word that we use in regular life, most of the time. Usually we use the word sin in a church setting, you know. Uh, and even, more, even mostly like during, while somebody's on stage preaching, you don't really go around church and just talk, you know, talk about like, oh, did you hear, you know, I heard that he sinned against so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, you say, you know, he did this or he did that. Or you go, or in, you know, when you're a kid, you're brought into the principal's office and the principal doesn't look at you and say, you have sinned against the school. That's just not what they say, you know. You might get in trouble and you might get suspended or you might get, you know, uh, you know, detention or whatever else. But he doesn't say that you sinned against the school. But sinning is basically just missing the mark of God. When we are not perfect as God is perfect, when we are not righteous, we are sinning. We're missing. It's funny, we talked about Caleb uh, hitting right in the bullseye with the bow and arrow and, uh, you know, able to show off to those uh, ladies, you know. And, but uh, the idea is that when you... When you shoot the arrow, that to sin is to miss the mark, miss the bullseye, and that's what it is when we sin. Because we sin with our flesh, our natural us. Of course, it's not referring to our skin, but it's referring to who we are, the finiteness of ourselves, the part of us, the God, that is not of God. And there's this idea in, in uh, the Bible, in the New Testament, where there is a war going on between our flesh and God. Our flesh and the Holy Spirit. It's the new us, the one that God has, uh, when Jesus died on the cross and he gave us his righteousness, it's that us fighting the old us. It's our sinful desires fighting our godly desires. It's death at war with life. It's no surprise to God. I mean, this is something that's been going on for a long time. We're not the first generation to have these problems. God knows our weaknesses, and he inspired the Apostle Paul to write about it thousands of years ago in the book of Galatians. We're going to read out of that today. So if you want to open up to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, you can do that. It'll also be up on the screen. If you have a smartphone or a tablet with you and it's connected to the internet, or you've downloaded um, one of the versions, you can use that also to read the Bible. We'll be in Galatians Chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Let's just get a little context here. There's some people in Paul's day named the Judaizers. And they were people who taught that in order to actually worship the Messiah, in order to actually be a Christian, you had to follow the Jewish law. You had to be Jewish. So they would say to Christians that if you're going to be an actual follower of the Messiah, an actual follower of Christ, you have to do all these laws, over 600 laws, you have to follow in order to be an actual follower of the Christ. And Paul jumps in and he's like, whoa, no, what are you talking about? No, 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 you got to understand, that's not how it works. We live in a time of grace. Galatians 2.21 says this, this is Paul speaking, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes from the law, so if, if being a Christian, being a follower of Christ comes through following the laws, then Christ 
died for nothing. What's the point? We have all these laws before Christ comes, and we have all these laws again. It was a waste. He says, no, it's not how it works. See, Christ, when he died, he gave us a weapon to fight sin. You see, the Bible tells us that he wrote the law on our hearts. When we become followers of Christ, when we give our lives to God and we say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Say and act as you'd have me act. And I'm going to walk in step with you. When we come to the point right there in our lives, we give our lives over to God. God gives us help. He gives us a helper and a weapon to fight sin. It's himself. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. He comes and lives in us. And Paul tells us what it means to live by grace. He says, living by grace means to walk by the Spirit. I want you guys to say that with me on the count of three. We're going to say walk by the Spirit. Ready? One, two, three. Walk by the Spirit. All right, guys. Go home. We're done. That's it. You want to conquer sin in your life? Walk by the Spirit. We're done. Oh, wait. That's not good enough? Okay, let's keep going. All right. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. I say then, they'll say that with me, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. See, there's a war going on, a battle going on. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Verse 19. Is that where it stops there? Okay. So we don't, need all these, we don't need all the laws anymore to help us overcome death because we have it inside of us. We can overcome the flesh because the Spirit resides inside of us and we walk with Him. And this is the idea I came up with. It's just an illustration. It's, it's not really in the Bible. But walking, when I was thinking of walking with the Spirit, I was thinking about like how a marching band walks in rhythm and in, in, uh, they, they follow the conductor. And... I came up with this idea of walking in the rhythm of the Spirit. Walking in the rhythm of the Spirit. I was um, in a uh, kind of a pop punk rock band when I was in high school and into college a little while. Um, And we weren't very good, but we did our best and we had a lot of fun playing. And if anybody knows, if you've ever been in a band, uh, you have a first show. There's always a first show and it is always the worst is always the worst, and especially if it's the first show of first shows. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, you could be in several bands and have a first show for those bands, and some of those bands, I mean, your first show would be bad. But if it's the first show, first show, the first show you've ever done in your life, it's going to be, like, horrible. So we get, we, I get a call from, or I get somebody who comes to work and meets me, and I'm at Chick-fil-A, and she says, oh, a band canceled out on me. I need you to play. Now, we were a new band. We never played a show before, and this was three weeks before we thought we had to play. So I was like, okay. I was like, oh, this is awesome. We can play. And then I was thinking, oh, no, this is terrible because we are going to bomb out of this thing. This is going to be the worst thing ever. We are just not prepared to play. So we, you know, we we doubled up practice. We practiced like six hours a day. You don't have anything better to do during the summer than when you're in uh, high school. And so, you know, we're playing like crazy, trying to get it down. And we had this guy, and we're in a garage. Now, if you practice in a garage, garages are not the most acoustically good things like they are terrible and so we have these guitars and they're just like they're just like going we have a drum set just just going at it and it just sounds like a bunch of you can't really hear much and the guy he's sitting next to me and he's my friend and he's singing and oh it's great and so anyway 
We get to this concert, and we get up on stage, and we start playing. Well, what we didn't realize, I don't know how this happened, but it really happened. What we didn't realize is this friend of mine had no ability to stay on rhythm. He would sing, and he would sing completely off rhythm whatever we were doing, and it was the worst. When I go back and watch the video, it's just hilarious. It's like watching a comedy show. But uh, I, don't, I think that video has been burned now, so I'm good with that. But he would sing, he's totally off rhythm, completely bad. In fact, he was so off rhythm at points <laughs> that we would be playing song A, and he would, be play, he would be singing song B and not know that we were doing two different things. It was pretty bad. <laughs> and I am on, you know, that feeling, you just like have this, your stump, you just like a hole in your stomach. You just say, oh, this is so bad. And there are people watching me that I have to go to school with in a couple weeks, you know? I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be so bad. Um, we, y'all ever heard the song, We're Coming Back? Uh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. You know what I'm talking about? To the heart of worship. We did that song, except we did a, like, hardcore version. So it was like, like, all growling and stuff. Man, it was bad. Um, <laughs> so we get off stage, and I'm just shaking my head, and my brother looks at me, he says, that was worse than I thought it was going to be. I was like, yeah, it was pretty bad. And um, we actually had a show with that same uh, youth group in three more weeks, and so we were going to practice. But what we did when we got back, first thing we did is we changed positions. We had to reorient the band. You know, I played bass. I didn't want to sing before, but after I heard and saw what happened last time, I was like, I'm going to start singing. So we put me to the front, I play bass, because, you know, bassists don't usually sing or whatever. And so I went to the front, I started playing bass. And then, um, then he, my friend who couldn't sing started learning guitar. Um, and he actually ended up being a really good guitarist and actually uh, plays guitar now and even leads worship and stuff like that. But uh, at the time, it was a struggle for him to uh, learn. He actually had to learn the guitar and stuff. So we reoriented the band. He became our guitarist and uh, our lead guitarist. And I became the singer and all this stuff. And we started playing shows and we got better. We got a lot better because we could start to feel the rhythm and we could stay in rhythm. We, could start, we got so good with each other. Not only did we play... Um, not only we play like our own shows, but we played in the church band together too. And like we could like read each other's minds in the church band. It, and it was just, you know, just being able to feel the rhythm of what we were doing. And what I've noticed is people can have all the training in the world. We can be the best at knowing how music works. We can understand every note. We can understand how it works and the intonation of this and how this chord fits with that chord. And the, you know, that it's a dissonant sound in this minor key, but when you match it with this, it just sounds awesome together. And we can understand how all this stuff works, but we can still be absolutely terrible at music. Because the, pro- the problem isn't a knowledge. The problem is being able to surrender to the rhythm of the song. And if you have rhythm, you can go a long way in music. And I've rarely, if ever, seen anyone who was not good at music really become excellent at music. Most of the people, somebody like my brother, uh, are just born with the ability to be good at music. Who he, he just finished, he put up on Facebook the other day that he just finished his master's uh, uh, in music theory. And, you know, like, I'm just like, man, it blows my mind. But he was born that way. He was born with the ability to do it. And in the same way as Christians, we can, we can uh, have all the knowledge. We can understand the Bible. We can understand this verb tense versus that verb tense in Hebrew and Greek. And we can have all the knowledge in the world. But if we're not born again, if we're not born in the Spirit, then we're not going to be able to follow the rhythm of the Spirit. 
We're going to be deaf to it because we have to be born of God. And if we're going to defeat the fleshly desires in our life, we have to surrender ourselves to the rhythm of the Spirit in our lives. Because it's not about trying harder. It's not about creating more rules. You know, I just think, if I could just create more rules for myself, then I would be a better person. Believe me, there's enough rules, right? There's enough laws in the Bible. There's enough laws out there. But I am not going to be a better person because more rules are created. I become a better person because God starts working in me and I allow the Holy Spirit to work through me and I follow the rhythm of the Spirit as the Spirit marches along. And I feel it. Our flesh is kind of like a pig. Uh, or, oh, okay, so, never mind, I won't say that. Uh, we're gonna, but it is kind of like a pig, okay? And so, um, where a pig, you can clean up a pig, you can shine him up real good, get a towel, wash him, get him out, and that pig is going to go straight to the mud puddle. That pig is going to go get dirty as possible because it seeks out getting dirty, and that's what it does. And inside of us, our flesh, in the same way, we can try to shine it up, make it look good, but as, as long as we're being ruled by the flesh and not by the Spirit, we're going to seek out dirt. That flesh part of us is going to seek out the nasty stuff and get dirty. We'll never satisfy our flesh by feeding it. There's this idea that we have, and I think we have it, I have it at least, that if I can satisfy this hunger for this thing, if I can satisfy it, then it'll go away. But here's the thing about um, appetites. That when you satisfy them, eventually they're not satisfied anymore. Just think about hunger. If you feed yourself a few hours later, you get hungry again, right? And in our lives, we have this pattern of sin. We can have this pattern of sin in our lives where we say, if I could just, you know, feed it, then I'd be okay. What ends up happening is we feed it and it gets hungrier and it grows and it wants more. And we all of a sudden realize that we are somewhere we thought we would never be, thought we would never go to because we tried to satisfy the fleshly desires of our life. And Paul gives us what the flesh does. He, he, just, he just lays it out for us. He says this, these are the desires of the flesh. Now the works, he actually calls them works. Verse 19 of Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. Yeah, we can say duh. Moral impurity. Yep. Promiscuity. Idolatry. Sorcery. Hatred. Strife. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Uh Uh-oh. Selfish ambitions. Yikes. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. If I missed anything, you know, anything similar to these things. Now, looking at that list, you can look at that list, and I can see quite a few of those that are in my life at this point that I fight against. Maybe you can too. Anything similar. He says, I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will probably not get into heaven. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Those who practice such things will probably not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, it is, whoa, that's not, hang on. I think I need glasses. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that is strong. That if we're practicers of this, these things, that list that I just wrote there, or anything similar, 
that we don't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that gives us a double check, right? All of a sudden, we're like, whoa, I might need to reorient my life. Because if, and here, let me give you some hope. Today, if you heard that and you got a little scared when it says you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you practice these things, if you heard that today and you got a little scared, that's good news. The fact that you want to reorient your life. That means the Holy Spirit is still working on you. But this is, if this is how we're living our lives, God tells us that we're not surrendering to the Spirit. And he gives us a very strong warning. We're not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here we go. This is awesome. This is the awesome part. And this is where we get into the but. And I think a few weeks ago we talked about the buts of the Bible. Uh, Brother Steve talked about those. We're going to get into another but right here. All right. But the fruit of the Spirit, and we, know, we all know this passage, right? Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Um, a way I've heard an old band, Christian band say is, they killing my old man, you know. Uh, we kill the old man. So we've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit. Let's say that together. Live by the Spirit. Here we go. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Just when you read that list of what the fruit of the Spirit is, man, it's just like if you were to find a good best friend, if you were to find somebody, you're like, that's what I want them to be. And a lot of times we have a higher standard for what we want other people to be than what we want ourselves to be. And we're okay if we fall into that other list a little bit. But, you know, people we hang around, we want to, you know, have the fruit of the Spirit, right? Because those are good people to hang around. They're people that help us. But as long as we're living by the flesh, what happens is we're a factory. I want you to notice what it says. It says the works of the flesh. The works, not the fruit. See, the, the flesh does not pr- produce fruit. The flesh produce, wor- produces works, and these are the works of the flesh. It's like a factory that produces stuff, and it's not good stuff. It's nasty stuff. But when we surrender to the Spirit, we start producing fruit because fruit comes out natural because what, <laughs> what happens is the old us becomes unnatural. And the new us, the one that God changes when we become followers of Christ, becomes the new natural. And we start, if the Holy Spirit is working through us, we start producing these fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. We start producing these fruits and those around us reap the benefits of it. Just as your flesh seeks out mud puddles, the Spirit seeks out what is good and what is clean and right and righteous. So, if you go to any fast food restaurant, and, I, and I'm not picking on anybody, the thing is, I used to work in, a, in Chick-fil-A, um, and so I know this, is even at Chick-fil-A, which are just, you know, the best of the best, right? That's like the best fast food restaurant, I believe, that you can go to. And, uh, um, you know, even, they go through lunch rush, and it's like from 12 to 2, it's just like tons of people just coming in, you're just making sandwiches like crazy, and what happens is you get so caught up in making sandwiches that the dining room ends up going a little unattended, right? And you, they have these tables here and tables there, and they'll just be dirty. So when you come in, maybe at like 2 o'clock or 2.15, the dining room hasn't been cleaned, and you'll walk in, you order your sandwich, and you'll go to sit down with your tray, and you come to your first table, right? You stop and you look at it, and you'll see like crumbs, and I don't know why crumbs are so disgusting on a table, but they are. You're like, oh, that is disgusting. 
So what do you do? What do you do? If you find crumbs on a table, what do you do? You go to a different table. You move to a different table. Who, who said brush them off? <laughs> okay. No, I'm way too lazy for that. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> never mind. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, I'll move to a different table, you know. I just move to the, if it has, I'll move to a different table. If that has crumbs, I'll move to a different table. You know? And so in the same way, the Spirit, when it comes into our lives and is looking, it says, when we come to this one thing and we look at it, the Spirit doesn't brush it off. The Spirit says, no, that's bad. Move to a different place. And we move. No, that's wrong. And we feel, no, I'm not. You know, we have this desire to sit at the table where cleanliness is right. So we surrender our lives to the Spirit. It means paying attention to what God is telling us and following those godly things. And at at first, it's hard. At first, when we surrender to the Spirit, it's hard because we can't hear. It's almost as if we have mufflers on, especially if we've, um, this is what I've noticed at least. That when you become a believer, man, just for like weeks and months, maybe even a year, you're just like, and you're on fire. You know, everything is just amazing. You're like, whoa! You know, the Holy Spirit's just working in you. And then eventually, over time, it's like, it doesn't seem to be as amazing. And, you know, maybe we get used to it. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it just kind of calms down how, how much we feel God in our lives. And a lot of times we say, where is God? And the truth is, we start filling our lives up with other things, I believe. Things that end up blocking our hearing and things that we... Um, have in our lives, and as we block our hearing, we start to lose the rhythm of the Spirit in our lives. We start to lose the ability to hear in our lives. Like, so I had these headphones, not these, I had these headphones, and when we play in the band, everybody on stage has a pair of headphones in so that we can hear what everybody's doing, and we can turn up our instrument louder than everybody else so we can hear every single mistake we make. And uh, so we have these in, and they help us to hear the band. They help us to hear what's going on. And I got these new headphones that cost a little bit, but um, the Lord provided a way for me to get them. And so I went and got them um, from a Guitar Center, I think. And, and these things are incredible. Man, when I put them in, it was just like listening to my, uh, my iPod for the first time. I was like, I never heard this stuff in some of these songs. You know, I was like, wow, I can't believe that's there. And you just wouldn't believe it. Anyway, so, but when we're on stage and we have these headphones in our ears, we're able to hear the rhythm. And when Barry's playing and Barry does that first click off, I can hear him click and I can know where we're going. But what happens is we start taking those headphones out from the Holy Spirit. We start not listening to what God has and we feel as though the Holy Spirit has moved away from us, but the truth is we've moved away from the Holy Spirit. That in our lives we have turned away from what God is doing. And we don't hear, we don't listen, we don't follow the step and the rhythm the Holy Spirit. And what once was, when we first got saved, ends up becoming kind of like this. And we're not sure of what the next step is. And we can't tell what's really right and what's really wrong. And we get confused. And we get wrapped up in things we shouldn't get wrapped up in. And all in all, they end up making those steps and that rhythm quieter. In this room, we probably have a range of Christians. I know we do. A crowd this size. Some of you guys are letting the flesh win daily. In your life, you feel defeated. You feel like there's no hope. You've come to a point where you say, God, there's no hope in my life. I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to give up. Understand this. Is the victory is already won for you. That God has taken care of your problem on the cross. And when he came into your life and changed you, he changed who you are. Now, that does not mean that you, are, you will not struggle with the flesh because the Apostle Paul 
tells us that he fought with his flesh all the time. But what it means is God has given you the ability to work through your problems and work through the fleshly desires that you have, whatever they may be. We, you know, I could go through, through a list. I could go through what Paul said again, but whatever yours is, you know, and one of the things, and um, we were just talking about this in the, way, in the car on the way up here today, one of the things that God has given us as a tool to get through our fleshly desires is his church. One, we get to hear the word of God preached every Sunday in, in our small groups, but also he's given us the church, which is not the building. I mean, for us, that's even more obvious that we meet in a school. The church, cross-culture church is these people, but God has given us these people to help us through our fleshly desires that hopefully, you know, whatever's going on in our lives, hopefully um, if someone helps us, comes alongside of us, we can become accountable to them, and we start feeling and hearing the rhythm of the Spirit again, and we're able to more easily walk in the rhythm of the Spirit. I have, um, I don't personally... I have uh, several family members who struggle with alcoholism, but I do not personally struggle with alcoholism or drug addiction. I have people in my family that struggle with both things, uh, extended family. Uh, and um, I've had talks with them and just what, what they do. And I've actually gone to an AA meeting um, and a, a, you know, a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Um, and I've, I've watched what happens. And what I've found is they're never over their addiction. It is something that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. You know, and, and what's kind of interesting is we all have problems and sick things in our life, but those people that have those problems, those things stick out more. They're things that affect their daily, day-to-day living, and, and we can see those problems more. But, you know, the thing is, is that first day, they start out one day, right? They get a little coin or a little keychain that is like first day. They've been drug-free, they've been alcohol-free for one day. And they go on and go on and go on. And if they can make it through that first year, you know, that is a big deal. If they can be totally sober for a year, that is a huge deal. And then, you know, you hear about people that, you know, they go for two weeks and they fall back. They go for two weeks and they fall back out. And they, they fall off the, uh, the, the wagon or whatever, you know. But then you hear about those people that for 25 years, that is, that is just incredible when I hear those things. The funny thing is, is they always say, they always still call themselves an addict. The problem hasn't gone away. The problem is still there. But they have learned to overcome it through accountability and all those things. And in the same way, we'll never, this side of heaven, get rid of our flesh. It will always be there. But we, through God's help and through the Holy Spirit and through his church, can learn to overcome those things. There's some of you that are letting the flesh win daily. Others are walking in the Spirit, but you're not where you used to be, and you want to be closer to God. And so today, what I'm going to, you know, ask you to do, you know, if you feel like you're walking in the Spirit, you're doing what God wants you to do, but just, just not where you want to be. And I hope that's probably all of us. I hope none of us think we've arrived. Um, but, you know, just, just, I want you to, you know, just recommit yourself to following Christ and following the Holy Spirit. Maybe, um, Others of us today have tried to stop doing things we want to do, but we can't. It's a losing battle. I want you today to to pray to God. And I want you to figure out what it is to move away from the unrighteous things and move towards God. What steps that'll take for you? Because for everybody, it's different. And for every, you know, for different sins, it's different how you do it. I know that um, in particular, something like uh, being addicted to pornography, that is something that cannot be done by sheer willpower. It is something that has to have somebody there to keep you accountable. 
and to keep you straight and help you. So, you know, a step for you might be to find someone who will be that accountability partner for you. A step for you might be to put something on your computer or on your phone that won't let you do and go the places where you normally go. Maybe your problem is uh, um, just outbursts of anger. You're an angry person. You know, maybe it's um, you know, learning how to deal with those problems without uh, blasting out in anger. Maybe it's learning to, um, learning to talk things over. And maybe even for some people, you need to go talk to the pastor or, uh, and get counseling on something like that. How to help you through in steps you could do. Whatever it is for you. I want you to start that process today. As we start walking with the Spirit, what we'll realize is that it's just, it, we become in this rhythm that is the rhythm of God and we, we can feel the rhythm of the Spirit in our lives and we can hear where and how God wants us to live. And it becomes, it's never gone, but it becomes easier than it is in the beginning. And we end up moving with God. We start to feel the rhythm of the Spirit. Thanks, Ivy, and thank you to everyone who made this year's camp a fun, safe, and enlightening week for our youth. Pastor Clay returns next week, and we'll be back in the book of Mark for the next message in the series, Jesus, the Real Action Hero. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7, and we welcome anyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom hope and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.